Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So dudes need to find community of other guys where they can let down the armor and connect with one another and be like, bro, I got you. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of It Ain't Week to Speak. My name is Sam Webb, and this show is dedicated to ending the stigma around mental health through community, connection, and the hard-hitting truth. I'll be speaking with guests from all over the world about life to inspire and to educate people to speak up so that we can save more lives. Thank you for joining me on this journey. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of It Ain't Week to Speak. I hope you guys have been looking after yourselves, looking after each other, looking after your family and your friends. And I want to say a big thank you again for listening in to another episode on the podcast. We're all very grateful for your support, your input, your recommendations. It's really going to help us spread this message far and wide. So thank you. Today, I've got the absolute pleasure of welcoming a friend who I met many years ago on a retreat out in New Zealand just before I was getting ready to go on Australian Survivor, believe it or not. In 2016, we found ourselves at a health retreat that a friend of mine runs over in New Zealand called Aroha. It was this exact retreat that Dom was working on his transformational journey. In fact, he was right in the middle of it. He actually spent four years in Sex Addicts Anonymous recovery, but he now speaks openly about the topics many men leave in the shadows, like pornography, sexual desires, and how to create magnetic relationships with the women in our lives. He's an international speaker, he's the author of Design Your Future, and he runs the Great Man Mastermind, which is a group of high-caliber men living the best version of themselves. Having spent the first 15 years of his career as an executive for a Fortune 100 financial services firm out in New York City, he knows too well that on the surface you can be seen as a leader, your results producer, a role model for many. In fact, he was killing it. He was making bank. He was very successful at what he was doing. But behind closed doors and in his private life, he was struggling with an addiction that eventually caused him to hit rock bottom. And so today I want to find out what it was like when he was hitting rock bottom, how he navigated out of that, what he had to do for himself and for the people around him and the decisions that he made to become what he calls now the best version of himself on a journey like none other. Let's welcome the great man himself, Dominic Quartuccia. Welcome, Dom. How are you, mate? From New York City. Talk to me. What is happening? Sammy, good to see you, brother. I think the last time we were together was in Santa Monica at the Equinox. We might have been crushing some box jumps. <laughs> mate, my pins were so sore that next day, probably for about two or three days. But mate, always a good time catching up with you. And it was out here in the better part of America, West Coast. 
Uh, better part is debatable, man. I'm here in New York City, and I think we got it on lock here, but we can have that debate. <laughs> we certainly can, man. We can. But hey, how's things, mate? What's been happening? A lot of stuff's been happening, man. Finished writing my second book manuscript, and that one's a book for leadership. It's called On Purpose Leadership. Master the art of leading yourself so you can impact and influence others. That's exciting. I just launched my very first men's mastermind called The Great Man Mastermind, where I'm supporting men who are stepping up and becoming the greatest version of themselves, finding their purpose, living in accordance with that and creating environments where they and others can thrive. Where did this all start for you, mate? Like your background was in the financial markets in New York City. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right, man. I spent 15 years coming straight out of college in 2001, 15 years in financial services. I worked for Fortune 100 company called Prudential Financial. And I was involved in some pretty pressure-filled sales environments. I was a sales leader. For example, my sales team had a $1.4 billion sales goal that reset every single year. So it was intense stuff, great career, was never in love with it. And I think probably a fair amount of your listeners who are working in environments where they're not in full in love with them, but they got on that path somehow. Yeah, I can certainly share part of my story about how I followed this default path to a place where there was a lot of comfort and security. And in many cases, like some great experiences, but just wasn't feeling lit up by my life and how that came crashing down at certain points in time where I really, I felt like I had to pick up the pieces and didn't know how. Okay. And how did you get stuck? Are we talking about being financially secure? You were making good money. You were just in the rat race of life and you didn't really know anything better. Is that what we're talking about here? Or is it that you were too scared to jump out and try something new at the time? I just followed this path, right? Like when I was a kid, I went to school and then I knew I was going to go to high school and then I knew I was going to go to college. And when I graduated college, I knew I was going to get a job that provided me security. And what I was told that made me a man was getting a job where I could accelerate quickly at a company that was recognizable, that made good money and that had upward mobility. And that was it. And it was like, okay, well, if I can do that, then I'm a man and I can be successful. I'm a competitive dude. I played sports all throughout my childhood. I just followed the path and I never really questioned like, what is it that I really enjoy? What lights me up? Those were questions that didn't even enter my mind. I just followed the path. And when I was 30 years old, I was a VP of sales at Prudential and I was the youngest person doing the job by about like 15 years or so. So like I took a particular pride in that. And I was the number one sales guy. I tripled my sales goal that year. And 2009, if anyone remembers, was the Great Recession. Like the world was collapsing at that time. And I just happened to be working on a number of big complex deals that took like 12 to 18 months for them to close. And they happened to close and transition in 2009. So I was having the best year of my life financially, career-wise, when the rest of the world was falling apart. And I remember thinking... I thought I would feel a lot better about this. All the things I've been working for, I got earlier than I thought they would, and I'm not feeling this inner fulfillment. And I was like, if I have to do this for another 30, 40 years, and it doesn't feel that good right now, that scares the hell out of me. And so I didn't know what to do with myself because I knew I wasn't going to have years like that every year, and I wasn't feeling that great about it. And it was the first time that I really woke up from my slumber, 30 years of my life of just following some default path. And I started to ask deeper questions about what do I want to do here? And what's my path forward? Because this isn't going to cut it for me. Very powerful, mate. I know so many people would be able to resonate with that, especially our audience. I think so many people are on a path that they don't know how to get off and they don't ever have that wake up moment because they don't know how. And I think it's something that I deal with on a daily basis, especially with friends and family and other people in my life. 
but what was it that you were expecting to happen after you had this amazing experience and you were crushing it, making great money, no doubt, in New York City? See, dude, that, that, that's like the million dollar question that I wish someone would have asked me and really held my feet to the fire because if someone had asked me that or if I'd asked myself that and I really thought about it, I don't know if I would have had an answer for you. In some unconscious corner of my mind, I just believed that if I had this money, if I had this title, if I had this status, if I had this place in New York City, then all of these fears that I feel on a regular basis that fuels me day to day, that all of that would eventually go away and I'd be happy. And without actually ever really sitting into that, I didn't know what I was chasing. And so when I got there, I was disappointed. And Sam, I think this is something I want to share with your listeners because this is a phenomenon almost everybody experiences. And it's this phenomenon called drift. So Napoleon Hill is an author of the book called Think and Grow Rich. And there's only been 15 books that have ever sold over 50 million copies worldwide. Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill is one of them. And Napoleon Hill was the one who coined this term drifting, and there's a bit of a backstory to it. So he had a mentor by the name of Andrew Carnegie of Carnegie Steel. And Carnegie said to Napoleon, if you want to understand how the most successful people in the world became successful, go out and interview all of them mind their secrets, write the book. So Napoleon Hill went out and he interviewed Henry Ford, the Roosevelts, the Rockefellers, J.P. Morgan, Charles Schwab, Wrigley. He mined their secrets, wrote the book, Think and Grow Rich, which became this Bible for how to attract abundance and riches into your life and to learn how to control the thoughts in your mind that take you away from fear and towards creation. But Carnegie gave him a secondary piece of advice that I found to be even more powerful. He said, if you want to understand the true human experience, then go out and interview 10 times as many of those people who are at the end of their lives, who feel like they left chips on the table, who feel like they lived a life of regret. They didn't live their fullest potential. Talk to them and find out how they ended up there and write that book. So Napoleon Hill took 25 years and he interviewed 25,000 people at the end of their lives who felt like they didn't live their fullest potential. And he wrote a book called Outwitting the Devil, which is the number one most important book of my life. And I remember reading this book when I was here in New York City. It was during Hurricane Sandy, where we had a complete total blackout, no power, no Wi-Fi, no running water. I had a flashlight and a book. And so like these words that I'm about to share with you, they came inside my soul and they shifted me forever. The devil says, the way that I make my way into the minds of people is through habit. And through habit, I establish this principle of drifting. And when I can get a person to drift, I can lead them straight towards the gates of hell. And what the devil is saying is that we think we're in conscious command of our day-to-day existence. We think that we are making choices consciously every single day. We think we're behind the driver's wheel of our own car when in actuality, we're sitting in the back seat or sometimes we're stuffed in the trunk while it's our habits, our patterns, our fears. That's what's driving our car unconsciously. And it's only when an outside force thrusts itself upon us do we wake up from the state of drift. And these moments can be beautiful wake-up calls. But my question to you then is, If the only thing that is creating meaningful change in your life are outside forces thrusting themselves upon you, then how in command of your life are you really? You articulated that amazingly, Dom, and I commend you on that. And two very good books I'm probably going to go pick up. On that topic, though, when you say people are unconsciously driving their car, 
How do we make people more aware that they aren't in fact in control, not wait for these traumatic experiences or what you call a wake-up moment to occur in their life so that they can stop drifting and wake up and start living? How do we unlock that and be proactive rather than reactive? You know, for me, my life was spiraling out of control and I knew that it wasn't going in the right direction. I was actually very self-aware that I was making bad choices and things weren't working out and it took a very, very dark moment in my life for me to realize that I had to wake up and make a change. Otherwise, I possibly could have been dead myself. How can we teach people the art of not drifting and being more in control of their life without having to wait for something so bad to happen? Yeah, that's a beautiful question, Sam. So the first place I'll start with when answering that is understanding why drift is so pervasive. Neuroscience has shown that about 95%, maybe even more, of our thoughts and our feelings and our behaviors fall below our conscious detection, which means that only 5% of what we think and feel and do is actually consciously detected. And a big part of the reason for this is because our brain, it's like 2% of our body weight, but it takes about 20 to 25% of our body's energy, which means that we need to develop shortcuts for us to operate effectively. And shortcuts come in the form of habits and patterns that become unconscious. At the same time, like you can develop some pretty bad habits in those patterns and your habits. That's where fears are born. Maybe when you were a kid, you raised your hand in class, got the wrong answer once, and you decided, I'm never going to speak up ever again. Or you got hurt or rejected in an early relationship. Your heart was broken. And so now you go and sleep with a bunch of women and you reject them before they can reject you. Men can play that out over the course of an entire lifetime. Or women whose hearts have been broken can say that no guy is trustworthy and then never fully enters a relationship or looks for any sign of weakness and instability and pounces on that. And that stuff can run in our operating systems for an entire lifetime until we do what you just said, Sam, which is like, how do we create these intentional awakenings in our lives? I actually ended up writing a book about this called Design Your Future, Three Steps to Stop Drifting and take command of your life. Because drift is like the biggest challenge that I face and that a lot of the people I speak to face. So the three steps that I propose, awaken, disrupt, design. So you need to create intentional awakenings. And I distinguish awakenings from awareness in the sense that smokers may be aware that smoking is harming them, but they don't necessarily aren't ready to stop. An awakening is where something shifts. And so mechanisms to create intentional awakenings are meditation, slowing your life down, creating space between stimulus and response where you can sit and you can actually allow up some of these thoughts, some of these feelings. Journaling is a fantastic way. I'm actually not a big fan of written journaling. Some people are. I actually love my audio journaling. I just put my headphones on and I just rip until stuff comes out. And what that does is it starts to surface some of these unconscious fears that I have that are causing me problems. I notice that when I'm stressed out, I start binge watching Netflix. One episode's great for restoring. Two or three tips me into a point of escaping and numbing. Wow, I don't think that's helping me. Now I'm ready to change that. So I move to step number two, which is disrupting. And disrupting means taking this like pattern that's limiting you and creating like these experiments around changing that behavior. In the example of Netflix, I'm gonna take 10 days off. I'm not gonna watch any TV, no Netflix. I'm not gonna watch any YouTube either because I find that I disappear into that. And through this 10 day experiment, I can actually start to recognize why I disappear in the first place. Now I can actually pick up a book instead. 
that actually makes me feel restored. Maybe I can get an extra hour of sleep. Holy cow. So this third step is what I call designing. So now I get to design my new relationship with TV and Netflix or alcohol or food or sexting or porn, whatever your poison is, right? I will allow myself to watch one episode of whatever show I'm watching. And so now I've designed a healthy new relationship with this thing before where I was drifting. A big part of this sounds like with the three stages of awakening, disrupting and designing is obviously you need to be self-aware. Is that something you can teach someone or is it something that you've got to practice often? Is it something that you do through gratitude? Is it something you do through journaling or just a whole range of different self-coping strategies? Yeah, definitely meditation slows the game down. Creating space in your life if you're a really busy person and just giving yourself like 10 or 15 minutes to journal or to reflect. And, um, and, and instead of doing this all on your own, reaching out to your community, to your support. Like Sam, I would reach out to you and I'd be like, hey brother, I'm really struggling right now. Here's what's going on in my life. Can you reflect back to me maybe how I'm showing up right now? Or like, what are some of the things that you see me doing that may be limiting me? Because sometimes we can't see ourselves. Sometimes it's a lot easier to be on the outside and see the habits and the patterns that your friend or your spouse or your loved one is actually currently going through. Would you recommend someone speaking to their partner or is it always someone externally? 100%. If you have that relationship with your partner where it's like, I'd love to show up better for you. And the best way to do that is making sure I'm showing up for me. Here's how I'm feeling. And I'm just wondering, is there anything that you see that maybe I don't? And don't be defensive because you may hear some stuff that you don't like. And if you don't have someone who's an immediate friend, there are plenty of online forums that if you just did a search, maybe a Facebook group, maybe even like your podcast community, what's your Facebook group called is? It Ain't Week to Speak with Sam Webb Facebook community group. So people can join that following all these episodes and stay connected with the conversation and learn more about what you're up to, Dom, what we've been up to and where we're going from here and connect with our guests and our audience members and listeners from all over the globe. And I believe a big part of it, like you said, is communication. I mean, a big part of this podcast is dedicated to the fact of speaking out because it ain't weak to speak, but that's in all walks of life. It's not just about mental health challenges. It's everything. You know, I speak to my partner, Nadia, a lot about the challenges that I face time to time and how can I show up better? Is there something that I'm not doing right? I don't have the answers for everything. And I think a really important takeaway from that is you've just got to be able to shift and to make a change and not be set and stuck in your own ways because that can be very dangerous as well. You know what? If you're feeling particularly vulnerable. You have control over setting the frame and the container so that they understand that maybe one thing is all you can handle right now. So be gentle on yourself and how you're seeking this so that you can receive the support you're looking for without being overwhelmed or feeling beaten down by it. And in like a non-judgmental way as well, I think is really important. The last thing that someone wants to do is to be able to open up and share or ask some feedback and see if they're on the right path or if there's something that they're doing wrong and then they're getting shut down. So it's about having an open mind that everyone's on their own journey. And I think it's really important to listen. But Dom, I want to talk to you, mate, about this drifting, the three stages, the work that you're doing now within your community and your mastermind and all that great stuff in between, which we'll touch on shortly. Talk to me about your life and your awakening. I'm very intrigued. Very cool, man. To give you some perspective on how far I drifted in my life, I was the guy who had a corner office in Times Square, the guy who oversaw a team with a $1.4 billion sales goal, working for a Fortune 100 company where there was a lot of opportunity in front of me. I prided myself on being a strong leader and someone who was trustworthy and had integrity. And all of those things in my life were true, except there was this one area of my private life that I hid from the world that came crashing down on me on December 28th of 2012. 
my girlfriend at the time, the only woman in my life who I'd ever allowed deeply enough into my heart where I could actually say I felt love. I actually wondered for a big part of my life if I was capable of loving someone because I'd never felt this feeling that everyone sings songs about or writes movies about. She got there. We took our very first trip to Colorado together. We were going to spend the new year in skiing. We checked into the St. Julian Hotel in Boulder, Colorado. I went to go take a shower. I came out. She was holding my cell phone and she was pale in the face. She threw it at me and ran out the door and I looked where she'd explored in my phone and it was on a string of text messages with another woman that were as heartbreaking as anyone could ever not hope to find. What had happened was I had probably about... You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection... Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. 10 or 12 other women in my phone who I'd had uh, intense sexual conversations with and I'd cheated on my girlfriend on three separate occasions. This private world of me came crashing down. And before I talk about the story of you know what happened with her and I, let's rewind back to when I was a really young kid. So I'm 41 years old right now. I got to give you that context because the first time I discovered anything really sexual was when I was six years old, went into my parents' basement rummaging through the cardboard boxes when I found a buried treasure and it came in the form of a Playboy magazine. The centerfold pops out and I see a naked woman for the first time and my whole body just stopped. And that washed over me intensely for a short period of time before I quickly woke up from that and I said, this is wrong. Because I grew up in a house where it was wrong. Like when we were watching a movie on TV and there would be like a kissing scene, my parents would lunge across the couch and be like, no, and they'd cover my eyes so I didn't see it. And so I learned unconsciously that this feeling I had to want to see that kiss on screen was not welcome. 
It was actually bad. It was wrong. And I had these intense feelings, just like any other growing child would, but I learned very early on, not okay. Private Dominic learned to keep these feelings aside. Public Dominic was the guy that everyone said, good boy, well-behaved, good athlete, good student. And I built all of my sense of self-worth on the external validation. But behind the scenes, man, especially as I became like a teenager and I started discovering porn and masturbation, these feelings could help me to escape from being a kid at school who was anxious, who was nervous, who was angry, who felt alone and isolated when I moved from Catholic school to public school. I learned how to self-stimulate through masturbation and that brought all of my pain away like four or five times a day just to like get the pain away from me. It was a chronic issue for me. So I had these two lives, the public and private Dominic, what the world wanted to see and what I thought the world loved. And this part of me that I thought was revolting that no one would love if they actually saw that part of me. And I had two decades worth of that behavior and I just drifted. It became so normal, Sam. You know, when I would come home after a long day of work, frustration, and I just wouldn't even think about it, computer, porn, jack off. Or I'm feeling alone. I'm going to sit on my couch. I'm going to send 10 text messages out and see who wants to engage with me. And then we'll go down that path and then, okay, cool, go to sleep. And it just went on and on and on. And I never thought I was capable of ever harming someone, ever betraying someone. But it was a series of behaviors that just built on itself. Every promise I made to myself of tonight, I'm not going to watch porn. I would break it. Or I ended up in this relationship. Well, I'm going to stop when we say I love each other. And then when we started saying, I love each other, I stopped sexting other women for a few weeks. And then I broke my promise to myself, broke my promise to her. And then eventually I broke her heart when she discovered this. And that was where my public and private worlds collapsed for the first time. And I just became one Dominic. And that's when I went into Sex Addicts Anonymous Recovery initially to try and save the relationship. But you know, two or three months in, I started to recognize this is not about saving the relationship. It's about saving me. And I had no idea, Sam, how deep some of those behaviors ran. I had no idea how dysfunctional I was because on the surface, I looked like a model of togetherness. I had no idea how disconnected from my feelings I was. I mean, it's been seven years since that period of time where I've done an intense amount of inner work, accepted where my shortcomings are and my failings are. And then now I'm leading other men through those inner journeys where they can start to awaken to where they're holding themselves back, disrupt themselves and design new ways of being so that they don't hurt themselves and they don't damage the relationships in their lives that matter most to them. Mate, thank you very much for sharing that. It's the first time I've heard that on that deeper level. So I'm very grateful to have heard that. It's definitely something that so many dudes would be able to relate with on so many different levels. Like anyone who's got a problem, you know, whether it's anxiety or whether it's drug addiction or whatever it is, there's always a way to justify it. Like I've justified my actions in my past. That's so true, man. And this is why it's so critical to have community because when you are the judge, the jury, the police, and you're overseeing your own BS, then you're guaranteed to fail, to drift into territories that you just never thought yourself possible. And it happens slowly, Sam. If you find yourself making promises to yourself that you constantly break, then you're drifting. You need help. And when I say help, I'm not saying that you need to go get therapy. It could just be like to stop doing this on your own and ask a brother or ask a sister to help you out in this regard. Because I know for men specifically, we try to solve everything on our own without ever- Problem solvers. Problem solvers. Always trying to problem solve. Y- yes. And, and also because our masculinity has almost hinged upon not showing any weakness. 
Like what makes a man is like a rugged individual. He doesn't need to ask for directions. He doesn't need to ask for help because that is a shot at your manhood. That's old bullshit. The real man knows where his limitations are. The real man knows who he can go to to trust. So if you're aware of where you're making promises to yourself and you're breaking them regularly, then that's a sign that you need to step up and get some support. How did I rationalize these things? It was basically like, I don't know if we're really exclusive or dating yet, you know, and until we have the conversation where we're exclusive, I'm going to still keep sleeping with other women. So I did that, totally ignoring the energy of the relationship. I shouldn't need a defined conversation to know, hey, we're moving towards something pretty special here. Mm. But I just allowed myself to kind of say, eh, until we have the conversation. And then when it became official, it was kind of like sexting is not that much different than watching porn. So I'm not really acting on it. I'm not physically cheating on her. So I'm just going to continue sexting, even though I felt a tug that maybe that was something that was wrong or out of alignment with how I wanted to be. And then it was kind of like, it's not in our chemistry or in our DNA to to want to be monogamous. And so I started reading all that bullshit, not necessarily to expand my perspective. I was reading it so that I could justify stepping out. And like, it was just these series of stupid behaviors that I allowed myself to keep adding on top of. And it was one minor thing after another. There is a magician named Darren Brown. He has a special on Netflix called The Push. It's a social experiment where he basically gets people to break their integrity to themselves so small over a short period of time that they're confronted at the end of 90 minutes with the idea of potentially pushing another human being off the top of a building and killing them. Without ruining the ending for you, I'll just say that you will be shocked all the way throughout the episode and the ending of how you can take a fully functioning human being and get them in such a short period of time to break their integrity. So that's drifting condensed in a 90 minute. Like, and I would encourage you to watch that because then it'll help you to feel a little bit better about how some of your behaviors that you didn't think you were capable of, how we're all capable of that and give yourself a break. Yeah, mate. Thank you for sharing. I'll have to check that out for sure because I won't be going too far at the moment. So Netflix is probably a good option. I really do believe that when you're self-aware, that's when you can start noticing if you are drifting or if you are falling apart. And I think the more that everyone can practice being more self-aware, the better it's going to be for their own life and their partner's life, their family's life and everyone else. And I couldn't agree more with you when the old mentality of what is a man, that's out the window now. It's about reaching out and asking for help, admitting when we're wrong and being open when we need help and not being scared to admit that we're not doing something right. And I really think that's important. And that leads me on to the next part of this conversation, which is the work that you're doing with men. Talk to me about what you're doing with men in particular. Yeah, it's a huge part of the conversation with men. So again, most of the men that I work with are these guys who are fairly accomplished in their work, in their life, but they're feeling disconnected. They're feeling restless about why their life doesn't feel better, maybe even trapped in the life they've created for themselves. So the work that I do with men is helping them to find what gives them their greatest energy so they can align with their purpose. Like purpose is a big word for a lot of men. And we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. It doesn't have to be eradicating world hunger or making sure that the next Kardashian spinoff never happens. Like it could just be understanding what lights you up. And the way that I talk to people about that is, you know, those things that give you your greatest energy where you feel a sense of timelessness, effortlessness. And if you were to do that for hours over the course of a day, you wouldn't feel tired. You'd feel lit up. 
And there are real significant clues around your purpose when you are in that space. And people try and take that thing and automatically figure out how they can monetize that or how they turn that into a career and they suffocate its potential. I have a friend, his name is Brad. He and his wife, they love being frugal in their spending. Five years ago, they just started writing articles about that and posted it online. Boom, that caught fire. New York Times, Today Show. They decided to start a website. Boom, it became like a really successful business. Let's start a podcast talking to people about how to create financial independence by being really like smart in their savings. Now, three years later, they have 16 million downloads and 300 communities across the world in 300 cities who are learning how to become financially independent. He had no master plan. He just followed his energy because he loved being frugal and saving money and then sharing that with other people. So just look for these areas in your life that light you up, where other people seem to gravitate towards you. Over time, maybe like you'll find out how to monetize it or maybe it never deserves to be monetized. And most men have been chasing what gives them the most status or the most money. And they've never really asked the question, what gives me the most amount of energy? Is that what you were doing? Yeah. What I was training for was the title, financial security with the money to be wanted by the financial services industry where I could command, where I could go. That's what I was training for. And I didn't even know I could ask for a life of adventure, a life where I created my own schedule. And to speak on stages throughout the world where I get to help men and women who are looking to unlock the greatest versions of themselves, I have no idea I could ask for that. So when I was working at Prudential, the last few years where I started to really hone in on what my greatest energy was, I found that it was like reading books that no one in the financial services industry was reading. And then I started sharing my wisdom and what I was learning from these books. And I found out that people were like, oh, you're a source of uncommon wisdom. And I love that. Then I started becoming a coach. I just kept following the breadcrumbs. And then eventually I left my corporate career and started this. So it's something that can happen overnight for a select few people. They can figure out what their purpose is on a moment's notice. For others like me, it can evolve over a longer period of time. And take the pressure off yourself to figure out what that is right now. Take the pressure off yourself to monetize it. Just actually become expert in knowing what gives you your greatest energy. I've never seen anyone go wrong in their life by doing that. Yeah, very well said, mate. Absolutely. And you hit the nail on the head. You know, when we we look at job status, making the money, problem solving, being the dominant ones, and that leads a lot of people down the path of unfulfillment, always wanting more, having not enough, and all these sort of things. And is that what you're sort of unpacking when we're talking about the men's work? That's a big part to do with it. Those feelings of like, it's never enough, or I'm constantly feeling overwhelmed. I'm constantly doing a million things and I'm never feeling like I'm getting on top of it. What is this all for? You know, those like wake up calls in the middle of the night where you're like, what the hell am I doing with my life? I know I used to have those and I would be able to drown that out just by being busier the next day, or I would go to one of my vices to knock that out, but eventually it would come back. And this work with men The other big part of it is forging bonds with other men. Because what I find is most guys have no shortage of drinking buddies. I got mine, you know, like guys you go out drinking with, partying. I'm all for that. But guys find themselves over the course of their life increasingly isolated. There have been some studies around happiness that have shown across all different like geographies that the unhappiest person in the world is a 45-year-old man. The reason for this is that 
you know, 45 year old guy is his life is probably the busiest, the most amount of work on his shoulders. He may have a family and kids. So there's a lot of responsibility there. He has aging parents, a lot of responsibility there. And he's probably not kept up with his friendships in any way, shape or form, hasn't gone deep with them because of all of his busyness. And also guys haven't trained to do that. So he feels alone. I can't tell you how many guys, Sam, tell me when their whole family goes to sleep and they're awake at the end of the night, they're surrounded by people, but they couldn't feel more alone. So dudes need to find community of other guys where they can let down the armor and connect with one another and be like, bro, I got you. So big part of this work with men is coming together with other guys. And I got to tell you, man, women are the biggest supporters of this because they feel the shrapnel from guys when we implode. Yeah, they're the ones that cop the after effects really, don't they? So they'd be the ones that would be encouraging and these things would be a blessing for them because it's going to nurture relationships. It's going to improve relationships. I think that's really important and it's a place that males don't necessarily like to go because of vulnerability and the fear of being judged. It's a very large topic, mate. I'm glad that you're doing some really good work on that. Yeah, I'm very grateful to have met you and learned from you and yeah, I think it's awesome. Yeah, brother, I love you, man. You have made talking about mental health and mental well-being cool. And like, you're a guy's guy. You're fit, you're athletic, you can drink, like you can party, and also you can go deep. I believe that is the kind of man the world is calling for. And you could be a man with depth that doesn't have an athletic bone in his body, but you could be a great singer. You could be a man who's not competitive at all, but like you're wonderful at being there for someone who's not feeling very well in the moment. What the world is calling for is a man who knows who he is, who can go deep, who can go wide. And we have to work on that because we haven't trained for it. So if any of this is resonating and someone who's listening is looking for more resources and tools, Sam, we've got this website called doinnerwork.com. And we have this resources tab where I've got a bunch of book lists, 12 books every man must read. And I've got meditations on there for you to start like envisioning your future, five ways to become a mentally tougher man. These are all resources that we make available for free download at doinnerwork.com. And we'd love to have you join us on our podcast too, which is called The Great Man Within, where we talk about this stuff. I'd be honored to be on it, man. I would be. And uh, oh, you're going to be. Set it, yeah. <laughs> let, let's set it up. Let's lock it in. Let's make it happen. And Thank you very much for all the work that you're doing. All the resources that you've mentioned, we will put in the show notes for this episode. Where can they find you, Dom? Dude, I would say the first place to go is just come over to the podcast, The Great Man Within Podcast. We talk about sexuality, purpose, optimal performance in your life. So The Great Man Within Podcast and then doinnerwork.com. Yeah, cool, mate. Thank you very much for sharing. And one quick question I'd like asking most of my guests is, Obviously, this shows, you know, the name of it is it ain't weak to speak. What's your interpretation of that? For me, it's always meant here is this safe space where you can speak up about however it is you're feeling and it'll be welcome. And not only is it not weak, it's strength. I truly believe that. So for me, it's here's the safe space where you can speak up. And when you do, I perceive that as strength. Absolutely love it, brother. And I've loved having you on the show today. Very grateful for your time as always. I know you're a very busy man, so I'm going to let you go. We've definitely got some great content down today. I can't wait to share this with our listeners. But in the meantime, Dom, stay well. Thank you, brother. Keep living, my brother. And remember, it ain't weak to speak. Thank you again for listening in to another episode of It Ain't Weak to Speak. 
Please like, share, and spread the love to as many people as you can. Let people know that you subscribe to the show. Don't forget to leave a review or a comment so that we can grow this community together because a conversation could save a life. If you want to continue this chat, please join me on the podcast Facebook group at living.org. I can't wait to share the next episode with you, but in the meantime, stay well, keep living, and remember, it ain't weak to speak. Thank you and have a top day. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.